we're not necessarily going back into our archives and like paging through, although sometimes we do. Yeah. Um, and you, whenever Rob sees me in there paging through the, <laughs> the binders from 1999 or 2001, he's like, what are you doing in there? Like, don't judge me. I'm learning, <laughs> learning our history. I just wanted to see what, well, you used this for that. And now yeah. what's this? Blackberries you know, were really big in 92. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover Podcast, episode 34, recorded December 7th, 2017. Mysteries abound in the depths of Rock Lake. Today, the Tap Takeover Podcast has taken the show on the road again, this time to Lake Mills, Wisconsin, to chat with Ryan and Dale from Tyranina Brewing Company. The brewery was opened in 1999 by head brewer and owner Rob Larson, and the name Tyranina comes from the indigenous name for the Rock Lake, the body of water for which Lake Mills takes its name. Located just a stone's throw from Ostalon, the oldest civilization in Wisconsin, the area contains a multitude of fascinating stories and characters, which are all well represented in the branding of Tyranina Brewing Company's many eclectic beers, which we'll be sampling on today's podcast. Ryan Dale, thanks for hosting us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is fun. Well, as we like to do on the Tap Takeover podcast, we are doing a tasting. So before we get into our first question, Dale, do you want to explain what I have here? It's the Saison aged in port barrels? Yeah, I mean, I'll introduce it and let Ryan talk more about the specs of it, but it's going to be our Imperial Saison that we aged in port wine barrels. I believe it aged for about four months in the wine. A little longer than that. A little yeah. longer than four. But yeah, it was it was great. We did it this year for a draft-only release over the summer. Um, our idea behind it was to have more of a lighter barrel-aged beer that would go with the seasonality of the warmer weather. So, Ryan, if you want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, that was one of those beers where we had the opportunity to get port barrels. We had no idea as to what to put into a port barrel, what would complement it. So after some hemming and hawing and uh, knowing that it was going to come out in the, I think, spring or June or July, July or something release. like that, right? Yeah, we wanted something like lighter bodied. We didn't want a Devil Made Me Do It or uh, an Imperial Porter, which we're mostly known for doing. And a Saison was something that we hadn't done in quite some time. So yeah, brewed up an Imperial Saison, tried a kind of a different yeast for us. We generally work with only one yeast strain and right no now. it is a good beer i was excited when i saw it up on the board because i'm really getting the ports yeah and the grapes are just really come through on this yeah it's a tasty beer i love yeah, it it was a really nice hit this summer and we actually did a, a trip to the milwaukee brewers uh over the summer rocky's revenge was on tap at miller park and so we brought a little tap takeover to the parking lot little party and we featured that beer and it's definitely the hit of the day on a nice hot summer day i mean that's i think that was about nine percent on that one as it come out or is it more nine and a half i know it was a bigger one than than it alludes to based on the flavor but it'll definitely creep up on you pretty quick real fun <laughs> beer we were, we were super happy with how it turned out now alex you're having one of your favorites right Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here with a Coco Poco, and uh, if you've never had one, you need to make the trip to Tyranina. I, I believe uh, you said that this one just got tapped today. Is we right? just bottled and kegged it today. Less um, than 12 hours ago. Yeah, just oh, this morning. Uh, it's the second time we've done it in two years. Uh, I wouldn't call it an annual release because whether or not we can get the rum barrels or not, but it's definitely a, a crowd favorite, and we think that this batch turned out exceptionally well. We're happy this year we actually have more of it than last year because didn't we have to dump that one rum barrel last year? Yeah, last year we had the very first barrel I opened up just started foaming out the oh, top no. like crazy. And so rather than potentially wasting an entire batch, yeah, we had to dump a barrel. So we've got a couple more barrels this year than we had last. 
Oh man! And God, God wept that day a little bit, ah, so which is still we're, we're not a lot. Have a full yield. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should uh, mention for our audience that we're sitting in in the uh, in the brewery itself. So uh, you're going to hear a little a little noise from uh, some of the machinery and you know some of the the processes being done to make these amazing beers. So bear with us on that. Yeah. Hopefully that cooler turns off sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> so our first question, you know, obviously you got to come up and have these great beers, but the first thing people ask is why Lake Mills? Why this area when these brewers want to go you know to madison to milwaukee why this why this location right so that is an oft asked question especially now that i mean basically everybody's opening up into more metropolitan area but rob is originally from watertown and didn't really want to go too far from home to be honest and there was space available here in lake mills and he liked the area so why not you know and as coming into the you know the business uh 17 years after it started i like to say we're here because we get the best of both worlds we're right in the middle of madison we're right in the middle of milwaukee 20 minute half hour jog to both places so it makes it convenient for people to visit us without being too far away from the other major city so you're saying they they have no excuses uh no we have no excuses okay. <laughs> yeah i don't think on, any none and none, none are needed if you're on your way to milwaukee from madison stop in vice versa so i'll say one advantage that you guys had because you're not in one of those metropolitan areas a lot of breweries in those areas have to kind of retrofit their brewery into an older building you guys were able to build all the way from the ground up exactly this is the original build no it's this this building is what it was um the only addition we've done to it is now with the expansion of the patio this last summer but the tap room is the original tap room uh the brewery is the original building uh rob planned this ahead of time to make sure he had enough space where he never would have to move or add on to anything he's got all we need right here to be able to operate makes it really nice how and when did you guys first get uh, involved with tyranina i worked at a distributor uh, a beer distributor in madison and the distributor thought it was a good idea to do a homebrew sort of competition uh, amongst the sales team and the merchandisers and so they just had everybody pair up find a buddy go down to the local homebrew shop pick out a kit take it home brew it and then when it's ready just present it to the to the group and at the end of this we'd all vote and see who had the best beer so this was the very first time i had ever homebrewed before we picked a black ipa kit we i think we made four or five calls down to the homebrew shop to make sure that we were in fact doing it correctly (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was, the guy at the homebrew shop was much more relaxed than we were that day. But yeah, we brewed a black IPA and just absolutely fell in love with the process. From start to finish, to see it from grain to glass, the whole nine, amazing. And then I think probably that weekend I went back to that homebrew shop, got all of the equipment to do it myself, just started with extract and actually barely had brewed any all-grain batches before I applied here at Tyranina. They had an opening for an assistant brewer, but I guess a bit of naive uh, on my part. And when was that? that? How long ago was that? So this was... 2013. So early 2013, I applied here for an assistant brewer job. Interviewed. Apparently, it was down to me and uh, another candidate, and she got the job. And I was super bummed, but went back and I just continued building displays for this merchandise for this merchandising job. Maybe a month later, Stacy, our office manager, emailed me and said, "Hey, you know, we, uh, you know, except you know, got this other person on to be the assistant brewer, but would you like to make packages?" Gene for us. <laughs> <laughs> so really, honestly, starting from the very ground oh, yeah. floor. Baby yeah. steps. 
<laughs> so I, I guess that's said, okay too. <laughs> can I? Um, and so yeah, I, I took that job. You know, one person leaves and another person leaves, and then you remind Rob that remember when I interviewed for that assistant brewer job? Well, you know, still kind of interested in doing that, and one thing led to another, and was an assistant brewer here for about three years, and have been the lead brewer for the last year-ish. Oh, that's, that's a great story. Yeah. So I didn't can you know, top that deal? Well, I mean, I didn't know any correlations, but turns out we both missed the first opportunity. <laughs> uh, so I was working for Crafty Cow, uh, which is a restaurant that a lot of people that drink beer probably know about. But I helped open the first location in Oconomowoc. Not anything with my organization, but I was, you know, on the opening crew. I worked my way up for general manager there, and that's where I started getting all the networks and all the all the beer contacts, and really decided that. Instead of managing a bunch of servers, I'd really just like to manage myself and beer. One of the things that was really attractive was when I punch out at the end of the night. Uh, my beer's where it's supposed to be, and it doesn't talk <laughs> back, and it doesn't make negative Yelp reviews uh, while I'm off. Uh, it, it waits until 9 a.m., and then we can just hit at the game. So I had uh, heard Tyronino was hiring for a beer ambassador. We had done a lot of really great things with Tyronino on our draft lines, and that's kind of the first time I discovered Tyronino, even though they were so close to uh, where I went to high school. I fell in love with their beer styles, and super approachable overall and great flavors and awesome price points. So I shot out an application. To try to be professional, I used my personal email address so that no one at work would see. I was trying to moonlight and get a new job and, and that caused me to miss uh, my first interview opportunity. So I found it about a month after they had ran the interviews and I had called and said, hey, is there any way you guys will still take me for an interview? And they left and said no. And so I went back to my duties and about probably six, seven months later, I saw the post uh, open up again. So I resubmitted my application thinking then there was no way in hell that they were gonna interview me after I lost the last chance and got the interview and got the job and now I've been rocking for about uh, just about a year and four months. So Ryan, you're new to the podcast, uh, but uh, Dale, you're a fan favorite. Uh, we, we've got we got <laughs> fan some, favorite. We got some great feedback from. Only well, uh, been on it once, I think. Yeah, uh, it was the uh, Stein and Dine. Stein and Dine episode. At least yeah. once, then you remember. I yeah. Think. Well, I, was there more? <laughs> no, I'm just Shit! What festivals <laughs> have you guys got me at late at night? <laughs> well, no, that's the fun part. Is we we see you out as the brand ambassador at quite a few events. You know, we've seen you at Bernhardt's. Uh, that's actually the first time I ever tried this Coco Poco. Was at Bernhardt's with with Dale. Just fantastic stuff. I mean, with Dale telling me about the beer while I'm drinking the beer, if you haven't experienced that before, you should. <laughs> you got to oh, find stop. this guy. He, he does a great job. You but, can't uh, see it in the mic, but I'm blushing. <laughs> we wanted to ask you guys uh, a question that we ask everybody that's been on the podcast. Uh, if you guys could, if Tyranina could take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast, uh, what, what beers would you guys choose? You have a lot of eclectic beers. Which ones would you guys kind of choose to tell the story of the brewer? Kind of lead us through that. Well, I mean, the first beer I think we could choose uh, would be Rocky's Revenge and that's going to be our flagship and what we're most known for. Uh, as some people know, uh, half of each of that batch is barrel aged. I mean that is our number one selling brand so I'd say we definitely start with that. Um, the second line I would definitely love to put Bitter Woman, our IPA, which I just poured you guys a glass of. This is a real tried and true IPA we've had it on what early 2000s I think when Rob made this recipe. I want to say early 2000s. Yeah it was. It was one of the first IPAs at least that was widely distributed. Yeah, I mean, state. it was, it's, it's something else. So if you, if you read the copy on the package, it's going to talk about immensely bitter profiles and this and that, and it's 68 IBU. So, you know, when you think of in early 2000, 68 IBU was immensely bitter. <laughs> and now, you know, you got 
breweries claiming to have a thousand IBUs on some of these beers. So I would definitely, the second line, we would definitely put Bitter Woman on it. It's just a classic tried and true IPA. It doesn't have that over aggressiveness. It's just really good traditional hop bitterness. Magnum Cascade Amarillo. You nailed it. Boom. You know, so I mean, three traditional hot blend even. Um, it's just it's just classic. Uh, 575 in the ABV makes it a good day drinker. You know, you're not going to be too tanked after a couple of them. You know, I, I'm actually surprised to hear that the, the Bitter Woman is outsold by the Rockies Revenge. I, yeah. I would have thought it'd be the other way around. It used to be. Uh, Bitter Woman was always our number one brand. I've kind of equated it to just the market trend of the barrel age. People love barrel age in the last couple of years. So the fact that we have a six-pack barrel age beer under $10, it's very attractive price Point, very attractive style. We're the only ones I can say that have that something that caliber and that style on the market. So I think people have followed suit and realized that we do that beer very, very well, and it, it's picked up in the last two years tremendously. You know, I was really interested to hear. We talked a little bit before the interview, and you said that uh, you guys had done a little tap takeover at Miller Park, and well, uh, not tap takeover, but we were one of the featured beers this well, year. One of the featured beers at, at Miller Park, and uh, I'll tell you what: the first time I ever had Rocky's Revenge was at Miller Park. I had it for two years, and the next year it was gone and i was pissed i was pissed. It's when they used to sell bottles yeah that was a fantastic beer to be drinking at a ball game you know everybody else is drinking miller light and you know miller high life and here i am drinking this amazing barrel aged beer that, that was probably like five six years ago yeah so. yeah yeah they, they did an original thing with a couple craft brands where they did bottles and then they replaced all the bottles with cans um so unfortunately we don't do the canning yet so we lost the spot there but we were really happy to get the draft line back this year i actually just had a meeting with them uh last month so we're hoping for rocky's revenge and possibly another brand to be added to the lineup this year, but we'll, we'll know more in the next couple months. So, uh, Ryan, let's keep going with that tap takeover. What uh, what other beers would you throw on the taps for us? I would add Amber Alt, Headless Man Amber Alt to that list. Not many alts out there in general, and it was the very first beer that Rob had bottled after he opened, so we don't have a sample for you, but I just think it's a unique beer. It's unique to Tyranina. I think the flavor profile really, just the Tyranina flavor profile is there as well. It's got such a crisp, 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 <laughs> clean finish um, to that Amber Alt. Um, it's a really a traditional brewing style out of Dusseldorf. And in Wisconsin, we know that we love our German lagers and ales. Yeah, we do. Um, so it's pretty, <laughs> much, it's pretty much just made for our palates um, with the heritage in the area. And it has a really fun story, too. So with the Headless Man, as well as you kind of touched on before, that our names really draw off the local history. So there's an effigy mound on the bottom of Rock Lake that's in the shape of a headless man. It's kind of like a stick figure without the head. And next to it is a tortoise. So the rumor, or the story behind it is that the native people from the area thought that the water was the after, or, you know, the, the path to the afterlife. But with how deep and dark and murky Rock Lake is, the catch-22 is there's no visibility. So how can man traverse the water underneath it when he can't see? So the tortoise is the spirit guide that would help the soul travel the water to the afterlife in the dark waters of Rock Lake. So a real fun story behind the beer and a real good beer, a classic, classic traditional beer. I love that you touched on the stories because I think it's one thing that really sells your branding and sells your beers extremely well is every beer has got like an interesting name and in, a name that you wouldn't associate with a beer like a bitter woman oh, Rocky's Revenge yeah like um, a Rocky's Revenge Chief exactly. Blackhawk each one's got a, a little story Fargo that Brothers, you can read Sheep Shagger yeah 
They're all based on local history. And you can um, read the stories right on the bottles. So mm-hmm. we, yeah, we, that copy will be right on the labels. We were hoping that you could uh, share a couple of those stories with our listeners. Uh, let, let's start with The Bitter Woman. I know there's a, there's a relative involved. Well, it's not a relative. So Bitter Woman is named after a person who Lake Mills affectionately refers to as Aunt Cal. Um, and actually, our, our brewery, one of our brewery dogs is named after, after Aunt Cal, Callie, our uh, golden retriever, for those of you who have been out here before. Uh, she's our fierce guard dog at 14 years old. With Bitter Woman, uh, she was just a historical figure. There's a little blurb about her at the at the museum downtown with the History Museum. And so the room, like the story goes, is she was one of those old women that was quoted as you know walking into a, a horse post and saying, "Excuse me, Mr. Dodge." You know, just kind of <laughs> out there, senile, not really all there. And and the the bitter part we we came from was um, she was the former lover and 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 beau of uh, Longfellow. Uh, one of the American poets. He left Lake Mills, went on, got married, had kids, and did better things. She stayed in Lake Mills and carried his love letters around just to prove to the town how important she was. <laughs> so that's kind of where the story comes from that. Um, Rocky's Revenge, how we touched on with the Tap Takeover before with, with the podcast, is Rocky's is our mythological sea creature. That uh, he's, he's like our Loch Ness monster. He, he cruises the, the, the waters in Rock Lake, and he protects the stone pyramids that are underneath the water. And uh, as well, the history, and we like to just kind of make jokes that he also protects it from the fibs. So we made him this beer. It's kind of to pay homage, you know. That way when we're on our boats, he leaves us alone and goes for the out-of-towners first. That way he's got no beef with us. So it's worked out so far in our favor for the most part. But yeah, so there's a little, little story with my little quip on it. <laughs> I love it. So uh, I apologize to any Illinois listeners. Yeah, the fib part is not on the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just Dale's personality ragged through. So uh, let's put a cap on the tap takeover. If we could pick uh, one more beer to tell that story, and then maybe uh, you have to put some kind of a special release on to you know to get the beer nerds out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, we'll put uh, Sheep Shagger Scotch Ale on that list to tell our story. This is a beer that people ask us constantly to brew year-round. And I'm really glad that we don't. (laughs) Because, man, is there a lot of specialty malt. Holy smokes, there's just a ton of Golden Promise as the base malt. Um, So... When you're used to pressing start on your scale for that's connected to your silo, generally for your for your base malt instead of the pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of golden promise by hand. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not into doing this year round, but but I love when it's but I love when it is on tap though. Um, we'll just take the make rib theory, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we we round it out with this. It's got a great. Great malt forward body, really awesome caramel and toffee notes that really come forward with these malts. And we actually use a slight peat malt, if I'm not mistaken, for a nice little semblance of that peatiness that you would get from a from a Scotch liquor. Yeah, now, granted, it's not going to be as strong. Touch it's just smoke, a little yeah. smidge of it. So it really adds another dimension, I think, to our Scotch ale that I, I can't speak on, but I don't think it's, it's found in most Scotch ales on the market um, with that peat malt because it just has that little bit of an edge to it. Uh, awesome, awesome flavored beer, though. One of my personal favorites for our seasonals. Yeah, there's a really nice, uh, it, there's a nice bright flavor, a, a lot of like caramel kind of mm-hmm. undertones, and yeah, just real, real sweet, like a, like a sweet toffee. Available in six packs at your yeah. local retailer today. So when you come up with these ideas, does it go into that Brewers Gone Wild series, or is it just a small batch, or how? Where does that? Come yeah, from? fortunately or unfortunately, we don't have a pilot system. Uh, that, our thirty barrel brew house over there is is our pilot system. <laughs> that shocked me pilot. when I started here. So, I swore, man. So what we generally try and do is 
have a good idea first, very important. (laughs) (laughs) And then if if you have a good idea, you kind of make use of what you've done in the past and apply it to what you want to do because you can't have 30 barrels of something that's not going to sell and not taste good, more importantly. So we'll do a tap tap room or draft-only release first, right? And then if it's popular enough, then it will get moved into like a Brewer's Gone Wild proper release, like a bottled release. Two years ago, I think we put out Imperial Maple Porter. That was a draft-only release. I remember ordering it when I was at Crafty Cow. That beer is now tapping the sugar bush. So a lot of times when you'll see a draft-only beer by us come out as just a style name, it's most likely the first attempt to try a new Brewer's Gone Wild. And that doesn't necessarily mean they all translate to the series, but that's kind of how we go forward with, with knowing what we want in this series. Is we'll do a draft-only version. We don't really even name it for label submission or anything. We just put it out, see how the market feels about it, and then, then we make decisions from there. Uh, but when I started and I found out we didn't have a pilot batch, I was, I was shocked because, I mean, like I said, the Brewers Gone Wild series, all these beers coming out of here are so amazing. And they're always so many different styles. So when I first applied and got hired, I figured they got a one-barrel, two-barrel system. They run these brands in the tap room, try them out, and once they know they sell, then we go to mass production. When Rob looks at me and he goes, it takes six hours to make a couple gallons. It takes six hours to make 30 barrels. <laughs> if I'm going to take six hours, I'm going to make 30 barrels. And I was like, that is so awesome. But yeah. the confidence it would take to say, you know what? First time doing it, throw it in the tank for 30 barrels and let's just cross our fingers. And the guy hits home runs. It really is. The guy put, hits home runs. putting your balls on the table and just Yeah, saying, he really he just I, goes with it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's awesome. To, <laughs> it, it speaks really to his confidence level and his brewing and his staff's ability to brewing too. And the fact that he'll just hand him something new and say, hey, man, we need this made up in 30 barrels. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure for you, Ryan, to be given a 30-barrel system and say, hey, don't, don't fuck this up. Don't put too much pumpkin in that beer. You know, honestly, <laughs> like I mentioned before, I had brewed a couple homebrew batches, and then this is, this is all I know. <laughs> so I, I think it might be intimidating for somebody who maybe worked on like a three-barrel system before, uh, and, and maybe not. But again... Or a guy like me who's never worked on a barrel system. It just seems like a lot. This is all I know. So when coming up with recipes with Rob and I, you know, throw him 2,100 pounds of malt, like <laughs> it's not out of the ordinary for me versus a five-gallon batch. I, I'm just used to working in that quantities right now. That's got to be fun. That's got to be a fun way to work. Or is it Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to work. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun. All right, I think this is a good time to take a little break, but I, we definitely want to find out more about the Brewers Gone Wild series. We'll find out what you guys have going on for 2018, but first we need uh, more beverages. But before all that, <laughs> let's, let's go to some beer news. So we'll be right back. Welcome to this episode's beer news. The easily accessible beer this episode is Mobcraft's Vanilla Wafer Porter. Rich biscuit and vanilla aromas are joined by light notes of milk chocolate. A slight hint of toasted malts and vanilla round out on the palate. This reminds one of the cream-filled wafer cookies that you loved as a kid. In release news, the Tap Takeover crew is proud to announce our first collaboration beer, the Solid Non-Fail Stout. Brewed at Mobcraft Brewing in Milwaukee, it's an imperial coffee maple stout that will be clocking in at over 10% ABV. It's brewed with local ingredients, including roast barley from Proximity Malt, maple syrup from Cal's Honey Farm, and a custom blend of coffee from Anodyne Coffee Roasting Company. Pre-orders are available. Go to the taptakeoverpodcast.com and look for the Order Now button. MKE Brewing releases their new IPA, MKE IPA. 
Brewed with a soft but vibrant body, the MKE IPA lets the hop shine. Generous hopping of citron mosaic hops with notes of grapefruit aromas and flavors of passion fruit, blueberry, mango, and lychee round out this IPA. It releases to the public on Friday, February 2nd. Be at the Hale House on February 7th at 6 p.m. when they will be one of the first to tap Untitled Art's newest IPA, Cryo Haze, and a special firkin of almond milk stout with cherries and vanilla. Raspberry Fantasy Factory release is on February 2nd at the Carbon 4 Tap Room and will see distribution soon after. In brewery news, effective immediately, Green Flash is cutting back on its distribution footprint. Pulling out of 33 states, about 18% of its wholesale business. As a result, close to 15% of its workforce was let go. Green Flash is limiting to just a handful of states on the west and east coast. Sprecher Brewing will be expanding back into its old stomping grounds in Walker's Point by opening a tap room in the old Brenner space. The tap room will be opening to the public on February 17th. Sprecher rented the space, including the Brenner's brewing equipment, but at this point, Sprecher does not plan to brew at the tap room. Instead, it will serve as a community meeting and drinking spot, as well as a place for tour goers to stop by before and after tours. The facility will have 24 tap lines, and Sprecher plans to serve a variety of their products. Two new Milwaukee breweries will soon be opening up. Venture Brewing in April, who will be brewing both beer and coffee. Also, Stockhouse, formerly known as Mahoney's Basement, will be opening in late May. Check out our Firkinfest interview with Mark Mahoney to get our first take on this newcomer to the Milwaukee brewing scene. In festival news, for the past five years, Bernhardt's Mittenfest has helped combat cabin fever for thousands of people who converge in a two-block stretch on Bayview's Potter Avenue with a wintry mix of live music, food, beverages, and charity. Starting at noon on February 3rd, there will be live music, delicious craft beer rarities, and a sea of brandy drinks. A special tapping of Central Water's 20th anniversary beer will be available for those who are unable to make it up to the anniversary party. In addition, there will be rare tappings from founders, including KBS, CBS 17 and 14, and the TTP crew favorite, Mango Magnifico. The Great Dane Bachfest brings Bach from eight Wisconsin breweries. Capital Brewing, Carbon 4, Lakefront, Next Door, Rockhound, Vintage, and Wisconsin Brewing, along with Great Dane, to one place. The festival will take place indoors at the Great Dane Hilldale location on Saturday, February 10th. Food and Froth at the Milwaukee Public Museum will be held on February 17th. It will be featuring several breweries that are new to the festival this year, including 1840, Good City Brewing, Chicago's Half Acre, Lake Louie, Next Door, Paps Milwaukee Brewing, Enlightened Brewing, Friends of the Show, and War Pigs. Midwinter Brewfest at the Milwaukee Alehouse is coming up on Sunday, February 18th. This year, the festival will feature over 30 local and national breweries. Get your tickets now. Thanks for listening to this episode's edition of Beer News. Thanks, Jim, for another great edition of Beer News. All right, before we get back into the interview with these guys, uh, let's continue our tasting. Right now, we are drinking The Devil Made Me Do It. Ryan, Dale, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Well, uh, you know, before you guys do, it's a great way to bring it back from the first half, talking about the talking about the, the Brewers Gone Wild series and what you guys have been kind of experimenting with with some of these barrels and, you know, some of these bigger, uh, bigger porters. 
So, uh, yeah, let's talk about this first beer. Yeah, so with uh, the Brewers Gone Wild series, we take this opportunity to really do more intense flavor profiles. It's where we raise our ABVs a little bit. Something I love about our core portfolio is all the styles are so approachable and so classic representation of said style that this one, we really get to go a little bit more off the walls and kind of really unhinge ourselves as brewers. So The Devil Made Me Do is one of my favorite favorite beers that we uh, we produce, and it actually is one of our best known beers as well. For those rate beer chasers out there, it's going to be a top 50 Imperial Porter of all time. It sits currently at number 33, I believe. So that's really fun for us being so small and having a top 50. I know rates ratings are all in the debate. What I always do is once you get to the aggregate top scores, at least it's a consensus agreement that a lot of people enjoy it. So I take more stock in that than what's an 8 out of 10 for you versus what's a 7 out of 10 for me. Uh, everybody's got different palates, but I digress. But Devil Made Me Do It, you have an amazing Imperial Oatmeal Coffee Porter. We locally source our beans from Bears Brother Coffee House out of Watertown, Wisconsin. The owner of Bears Brother and the owner of Tyronina met at Dale Dale something, like some motivational speaker seminar, essentially, oh, like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was geared towards business owners or what. It was the first time I ever seen Rob kind of do like this hokey quote, and he like quoted something from the meeting that he met him at where uh if you act excited you'll be excited and if anybody knows rob i looked at him and and you've lived your motto by that ever (laughs) since then huh um but yeah so so they met back then they're both from the watertown area so with two local businesses they paired up so we have fresh costa rican and sumatra coffee beans in this brew and you can really tell i mean the coffee comes out super intense awesome roast notes but great great porter overall so definitely grab grab some uh, from your shelf or on tap today and they're available while supplies last we brewed it once for the year already so it won't come back until next october the coffee flavor you're you're right it's it's incredibly coffee forward ryan is it is it a cold brew press that you guys use or uh, you guys using just coffee beans just, what, what's your process uh whole beans we basically treat it like it was a dry hop um, and that makes it fun to clean up after uh, you've filtered it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, every once in a while, you like two months later after you've done it, you still find a coffee bean here and there throughout the brewery, just kind of <laughs> nested away somewhere. Do, do you think it gives it a little more of a full coffee flavor? Because that, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting a little more acidity than you would get. I've tried a lot of uh, coffee uh, stouts and coffee porters where they've used the cold brew method and just kind of added the coffee to the beer. This is a little more full flavor. Yeah, I mean, and we're getting it extremely fresh, released fairly recently. I don't remember exactly when, but it's actually even, if you can believe it, it's even a little more toned down than it once was when he, when Rob first brewed it, because I think originally he used ground coffee. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. Oh, I bet that was even more of a mess. Even more so, right? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I think the coffee is just right. That said, I am a coffee drinker. No cream, no sugar. So I love this beer. I love it fresh. Uh, I love the dark, deep, roasted uh, flavor that comes through. After you, obviously, the coffee is going to punch you in the face when it's fresh, especially. But uh, the roasted, the roasted notes, the dark chocolate notes, I love it. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a black eye. That, that, that coffee <laughs> punched me pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus, what are you getting from this thing? Well, it's definitely coffee, man. And when I t- <laughs> when I taste it, I'm like, man, if you, if you weren't a fan of coffee, it's uh, it's not going to be your thing, honestly. See, I, um, I disagree. Really? I don't I don't drink coffee. And it's beers like the devil made me do it that make me mad because it's going to give me another vice <laughs> because I'm going to start liking coffee now. I, I, I don't. I never, I've never actually had an entire cup of coffee in my entire life. Please leave the room. <laughs> beers like devil made me do it really do 
make me come around to the coffee flavors a lot more than I ever have, and so I'm worried I'm going to add another addiction. That's really surprising because I really think it's strong on coffee. I love coffee. Yep. I do like it. You know, I'll, I'll back Dale up on that. I, I actually uh, quit coffee about 15 years ago. I quit all caffeine. It, you know, it's a little-known fact about me, but I the only time I drink coffee is in my beers. That's, that's, I was going to say, I cannot promise you there's no caffeine in this. <laughs> I'm hoping there's a little because as I, I get older, I find... I uh, caffeine just justifies <laughs> you to drink it at 9 a.m. because it actually... You know, it's got caffeine. It's more coffee than beer in that way. I don't know. No, it's a, it's a beautiful breakfast beer. <laughs> Actually, Dale, I'm surprised that you've never had a cup of coffee. Uh, you know how much energy I have now? Yes. Imagine me on coffee. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I've never had it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. Speaking of breakfast beers, uh, let's talk about another one from the uh, the beer series. You, you've had you have a maple porter as well, and this one's been aged in uh, bourbon barrels. Is that bourbon right? barrels? Right. Yeah. It's called Tapping the Sugar Bush. It's an imperial maple porter. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> aged in bourbon barrels uh, with maple syrup added and we we use a really high quality maple syrup it's not Aunt Jemima or your like insert another insert maple syrup here it's not syrup. log cabin right <laughs> it's really high quality maple syrup but it comes we're, we didn't want to sweeten it, the beer too much so it's not going to be unlike the the coffee it's not going to be maple it's, forward it's definitely not a maple bomb Right. And for yeah. those that have had a lot and of I maple have beers, had those. like you know what I'm talking about. It's it's not a maple bomb. Uh, the maple is going to be definitely more subtle and complimentary. Yeah, no, the, the, um, very the maple subtle is on the yeah, it's, yeah, like it's on the back end. I'm getting all the maple on the back end. It's very porter forward, which is that's fun. That's a fun variation on this kind of beer. And what are you getting from the bourbon barrels, Jesus? Are you getting any of that vanilla? Any any of that char? I'm getting the vanilla. I as I taste it again, I yeah, the maple is very subtle. Yeah, it it really. It adds to the beer instead of just taking over the beer because I've I've had a lot of maple porters, maple stouts, you know those kind of beers, and sometimes the maple takes over. Even when there's like coffee involved, even when there's vanilla, like the maple is the very first thing that you well, see. Alex, actually, I just want to focus in on that. As an avid Tyranier drinker and supporter, I always think Rob does that in a lot of the beers. Is is whenever he's adding adjuncts, either our fruited IPAs or our adjunct stouts or porters, you always find that that flavor is nice and present, but it's never really super imposing on the beer. And the fact of the matter is, we make beer and beer first. So you taste all those malts, you taste the great complexity of the beer, and all those adjuncts really just add another depth and layer to the flavor, rather than being the focus. And that's really one thing I really love about our barrel aged series in particular. But as well, even going down to our our, brewed, our fruited IPAs and the Brewers Gone Wild series. I thought it was going to be. Really- really in your face but it's it's exactly as Dale said it's a compliment to it you know it's not like the star you know it's not like this big in your face it's it's a really good beer no yeah. really good beer yeah we're happy with the way it came out yeah like like you guys said I think you summed it up really well it's not it's not a maple beer uh, it's an imperial porter and maple is complimenting it so I, I think our listeners are going to hear us say the word porter 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 porter, <laughs> porter, porter. Yeah. and they're going to ask where is the stout I, I'd like to know where uh, February when <laughs> <laughs> when did you guys kind of make a decision uh, to not necessarily stay away from the stouts, but lean into the porters? Uh, you know, some would say, I, I, I think Dale might make the point that uh, porters and stouts are the same thing. But, that, you know, since olden times. Porter uh, stout, check it out. 
<laughs> Google it. <laughs> since olden times, there, there has been kind of a, a, a switch in the variations, or a switch in the, the two styles. You guys really leaned into the porters. What, what was the impetus behind that, and, and when did that happen? Okay, so I should be clear that we do have an Imperial Stout as well, Carnal Knowledge, and then we, we had a few variations as well as that. Down and Dirty uh, Oatmeal Stout is a seasonal for us as well. That said, we here in the brewery are just big fans of the base recipe for our porter. And I think it's a little easier to play with uh, in terms of adding those additional ingredients, your maple, your coffee. I think they're just going to come through a little bit more in a porter than they do a stout. Now, granted, our porters are made with them with a ton of oatmeal flakes and so on and so forth. So it's not, I guess, adjunct. Adjunct less. <laughs> yeah, but... No, they're certainly not adjunct driven. And I mean, we're talking about big boys. You know, not to say that porters are any less than stouts. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying they're a little different. There's little variations that you can do with porters and there's different variations that you can do with stouts. And you guys kind of have leaned into the porter area. Yeah, and I think it actually kind of begins with Chief Blackhawk Porter, which is a year-round porter for us and it does extremely well and we all love it. I think it's our most underrated core brand. I think Rockies takes a lot of focus because Rockies is so unique as we talked about before. It's so different in the six-pack and so when they're looking for more of a malt forward of our core brands a lot of people go to Rockies but I think that that is part of the reason that people overlook the porter sometimes but when you want it when you want a porter you can drink in July that's not gonna be too heavy but it's got the flavors you want you can come back to that porter in December and it's not gonna be too thin it's nice and warming still. So, I mean, Chief Blackhawk, amazing beer. I'm, I'm sorry, Ryan, if you want to continue whatever, wherever you were talking. I guess I was just saying that although we do focus on porters and we do have a lot of barrel-aged porters and porters with different adjuncts added to, the base recipe for the Imperial Porter is not always the same from beer to beer, okay? We'll make small sure. adjustments to uh, whatever's going to fit that beer better. We'll make a, an adjustment here, an adjustment there. It's pretty close, but yeah, it's just a little more versatile, I think, for us. So I'll tell you what, Ryan, you were talking about uh, slight variations on the, the base porters and that sort of thing. During the break, Dale kind of led us around on a little tour, and he showed us you guys have a complete bookshelf with every single recipe that has ever been done at Tyranita. And th that's impressive. I mean, stuff going all the way back to the origins of the brewery. How, how often do you guys do a little tweak now and again? And, and what causes that? Is it the ingredients that you guys are getting? Is it we wanted a little something extra from the last batch, so we're going to do it a little different this way? What, what kind of, what's the impetus on that? Yeah, the tweaks, like we don't tweak any, we don't make a lot of tweaks, especially to year round and seasonals. But when it comes to Brewers Gone Wild, you know, it's going to vary year to year. When we brewed Coco Poco this year, we brewed it you know, we used a couple different techniques than we did last year. Base beer, the malt, the hops, that all stayed the same, but the, the way in which we brewed it and aged it changed a little bit. We're not necessarily going back into our archives and like paging through, although sometimes we do. Yeah. Um, and you, whenever Rob sees me in there paging through the, <laughs> the binders from 1999 or 2001, he's like, what are you doing in there? Like, don't judge me. I'm learning, <laughs> learning our history. I just wanted to see what, well, you used this for that, and now yeah. it's this. Blackberries you know, were really big in 92. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, 
bitter woman, you might not know if, if you, even if you drink bitter woman, if that's your go-to IPA, you might not notice that it changed in the last two years, but it did because we just wanted to get a different flavor profile out of it. So we added more hops. We, you know, moved back some of our hop additions. You know, the recipe has changed, but if you drink it, you know, weekly or hopefully daily, right? <laughs> uh, you might not notice that change. When did the Brewers Gone Wild series start? Was that uh, was that a very was that the at the very beginning of the brewery, or is that something that you guys kind of grew into? Well, I mean, this is this both predates us, but my understanding early two thousands oh four oh five ish range. We were actually looking into it, and I, I believe the first batch of Devil Made Me Do It dates to no, it doesn't date that. All right, never mind. <laughs> but I do know this story is for sure. So if everybody knows the graffiti kind of logo of Brewers Gone Wild, so that original logo was taken from our first packaging of Bitter Woman from Hell. When we did an extra IPA with a Bitter Woman variation, we you know added some cartoony devil horns and like a devil beard to the regular Bitter Woman package. So it's actually a really funny package. <laughs> and underneath the Bitter Woman, it said from hell in the kind of graffiti script that Brewers Gone Wild. Wild is now. So the the, the, the labeling for Brewers Gone Wild could date back to Bitter Woman from Hell, which was about 2004, 2005, I believe, when that beer was released. And so shortly after, I think Brewers Gone Wild series officially formed. Now the date might be off a year or two, so forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but it, it would be around the 2005 range I'd be comfortable to say about. I want to touch on the Brewers Gone Wild, like actual labels like you were mentioning. yeah. yeah. Why is it always like the same kind of look? Right. So we have actually we have two different Brewers Gone Wilds. We have your annual releases that are uh, in a colored package, uh, whether it be a blue or maroon or black. Devil so on and so forth, right? That is like <laughs> almost an, essentially an annual or near annual release. And then we have the like caution, like yellow caution tape, yellow Brewers Gone Wild box, and that's going to denote that it's a barrel-aged, oh, okay. perhaps perhaps a one-time-only type of Brewers Gone Wild. So that's the difference there. And then on all of them, there's like the stick figure, and that's Rob. And <laughs> the way that that came about is because years ago, they wanted us to have UPCs on every single bottle regardless of if you're going to sell them individually or not, they wanted a UPC. So when they were doing the Brewers Gone Wild labels, they left a little spot on the label for a UPC, on the bottle label. That didn't end up happening. And so they thought, well, we need something to fill this space. And so they just ended up doing a little stick figure of Rob and a little quote. (laughs) And kind of the rest is history, I guess. So now it's just kind of like a fun way for Stacy, our office manager, to kind of toy with Rob. So like (laughs) she gets to like put him in different outfits Outfits and stuff like the um, <laughs> sailors take warning. He's wearing like a little sailor's outfit and a little hat and like it's just. It's I think fun. there's only there's it's only fun. three that have been different people in the images because uh, the kissers Monday night special that I know a lot of people listening might have drank before. It's one of our big double oatmeal stouts, not a porter, and uh, bourbon barrels. And so the cartoony picture on there is the band the kissers. And then we had a uh, tier two uh, non barrel aged uh, mango double IPA called Steve doesn't use a rearview mirror. 
that's actually one of our regulars here at the tap room. So you'll see a little cartoony picture of Steve. If I'm not mistaken, there's one more that doesn't have Rob, and I can't remember which one is off the top of my head, but everyone else is, is Rob. So it's, it's fun. I think we should maybe touch on Steve doesn't use a rear view mirror as the name of a beer. Why? It was just super fun to just leave it off yeah, the passing. I've always wanted to know. <laughs> I've always wanted to know. So it's I see a, it's like a, a fantastic, lot of like... What, it's a double IPA with, yeah. uh, with mango. Correct. Right? Mango. Yeah. yeah, so uh, that beer... Again, was another beer that we brewed as a draft-only release, and it was very popular, and so we bottled it. When it released in that form, it was Mango Imperial IPA. And from the between the time that we brewed it and released it as that to the time that it was released in bottles, we had one of our regular customers named Steve. Back he only drinks the, IPAs. Yes, he's a very big, especially Imperial IPAs, loves them. He backed our Tyranina bus that we use for like events and so on and so forth. He backed it over one of our light posts back in the uh, over in the driveway. And, and mind so, you, it was one of the only light posts in that entire like area. Yeah, there's maybe the four of them, and I think he, he backed directly over one of them. He had to really try, so, right? Like well, he, I think it's harder to not hit a light post. Like, if you're not trying, like, just backing up without looking, it'd be harder not to hit one than to hit one. And as, as Rob said, he was in the parking lot and watched a bus go straighter than straight. Like, who can back up their car straight, let alone a, you know, a 20-foot bus? And he just went straight into the pole. Didn't, didn't sideswipe it, didn't turn into it, just, just boom, toppled it down. You know, it, that's a, a great way to lead into. Uh, Jim had a question for you guys. He couldn't be here today, but he wanted to know where, Hi, Jim. S- where some of the names came from for the Brewers Gone Wild series. Because it seems like the uh, the regular uh, series that you guys do are very, you know, culturally oriented yes. and very yeah. character oriented. But the Brewers Gone Wild, it's just it, it's, well, it's like it's us going wild, baby. It's like stuff that happens at the brewery. Right? Uh, stuff that happens at the brewery, silly shit that makes us giggle. <laughs> uh, you know, there's really no parameters in naming a Brewers Gone Wild beer. Uh, it's where we can really have a lot of the personality of a lot of the people that work here really shine through. If people that know us uh, frequent us, we're a very sarcastic and humorous bunch. And so you really see the names on the Brewers Gone Wild really, really portray that. Yeah, and Rob is a, a big music fan. Mm. Uh, and so, like, that's why yes, like, he is. you have our Tempted by the Fruit of Another. Paradise by the Dashboard yeah, Lights. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of our Brewers Gone Wild releases are inspired by artists, like musical artists, lyrics that he likes. And generally, they're Movies almost too, aren't they? too deep of a cut <laughs> that almost only he gets. Even the band is like, wow. Yeah, Carnal Knowledge in the Morn is actually a nod to like a Rod Stewart song. Couldn't tell you what track. Surprisingly, I'm not a Rod Stewart fan. Was was a nod to Twin Peaks, like the movie or something like that, I heard. I don't know. I mean, he gets these lay retro references, and it's kind of fun for us. So, Tempted by the Fruit of Another, by the way, Tardina is not liable for any songs to stick in your head. (laughs) Um, we just want to put out that disclaimer so there's no lawsuits. Oh, we got disclaimers that. at the end of the podcast. Don't worry. Oh, all right, all right, perfect. Because <laughs> right, uh, when the anybody track. orders it cue for me track, from a beer we'll festival. That. We got legal I, working on it, so don't worry. Yeah, about when it. anybody orders it for me for a beer festival, I typically uh, make them sing it to me before I pour it. The funny thing is, is, did you know that really only everybody knows that line? Like, no one knows what comes after it except for... Dun, 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 discover like no one knows that line except the word discover i found that out this year by pouring it at beer festivals so a lot of your uh, a lot of your brewers gone wild is tap room only 
we were just kind of wondering, what does the process look like as far as taking those those taproom only beers into actual distribution? Like, how how popular do those have to get? What what does that process kind of look like? Well, when we know that we have a hit on our hands, we're sending more out to distro and we're replenishing the ta- tasting room cooler with that rapidly, yeah. right? Like a couple half barrels a week, and that happens. When it goes from a draft only, tasting room only, to a, and we, we, you know, we've chosen, okay, this one popular enough, then we will go back to that recipe, see, okay, I did like this about it, I didn't like this about it, and if we're absolutely certain that we want to make those changes to an already popular recipe, uh, we will. But more times than not, it stays exactly the same. And then it, from that point, if we think that we want to make it an annual Brewers Gone Wild release, we might tweak it again, right? Uh-huh. So I mentioned Coco Poco. Like we changed that recipe, the techniques in which we made it from last year to this year. I was going to say, the, the Coco Poco is a little bit different than the last time I had it. I would actually say better. I think I, you guys have improved. And I agree. I think it, just those small tweaks can make a huge difference. And especially when you're going from a draft only only release to a bottled release, more widely distroed release, makes a big difference. All right, as we're uh, we're getting close to the end here, but we before we end anything, I want to give you your moment, Dale. And what moment is this? I'm going to give you a chance to put yourself over and put over those, those porters that you guys have. Now, three are very special, right? Well, I mean, three are special with as we were talking about in regards to ratings before. But I would I would be remiss if I don't if I don't you know kind of brush our own shoulders off at at the great things we do around here. And and I am proud to say that we are the only Wisconsin brewery to have three Imperial porters in the top 50 of all time on RateBeer.com. One of which you guys are drinking today. The devil made me do it. Uh, I think that that is currently at number 33. When we aged that in birth. Uh, that's gonna be called Devil Over a Barrel. That's the 14th highest rated Imperial Porter of all time on RateBeer.com. And for you podcast listeners, it's coming out in March. So you guys can look forward to a new batch of Devil Over a Barrel this year. I know we missed it last year, but it's coming back to popular demand. Breaking Um, news. Breaking news on the podcast. But before the number 14th Imperial Porter of all time drops out, we're going to bring you the number 20th Imperial Porter of all time on RateBeer.com. Who's your daddy? And this is actually our first Brewers Gone Wild beer of all time. Oh, wow. As we were talking about the Brewers Gone Wild series. So this will be our Imperial Porter aged in bourbon. So no no special adjuncts, no nothing necessary. Just a no-nonsense Imperial Porter that we aged in bourbon. And this is the number 20 Imperial Porter of all time. And, and something that I always attest, like we said before, you know, these aggregate ratings of the top 50s. Devil Over a Barrel hasn't come out in two years. And it still sits it's, at number 14. It's still there. Wow. Who's Your Daddy hasn't come out in two years. And it still sits at number 20. So not to say that, you know, we make the best, but we make really good stuff. But also so you, if you you're not familiar best. with our beers <laughs> this year, please, please make an attempt to go try to find one of our barrel edge products. You're going to be thoroughly impressed. Our price point is a lot more attractive and affordable than a lot of people. And the beer is just as, just as good. A lot of our friends make amazing beer and we make it too. So we just want you guys to pay attention to some of our styles this year. Well, that actually leads us into a good part of the podcast of um, the 2018. Where, what do you guys have going on? Well, 2018 is going to be a fun year for us. So like I said, Who's Your Daddy is going to be the first barrel-aged beer that comes out in January. And I actually do have permission to announce the first four months of barrel-aged beers with us next year. 
So in January, you will have Who's Your Daddy, Imperial Porter, Aged in Bourbon. February, we'll have the return of the highly anticipated Kissers Monday Night Special. And for those of you who paid attention this year, we did double dose you. We did a batch in February and a batch later in the fall. Um, Next year, it's just slated for February so far. March, as I said, is going to be the return of Devil Over a Barrel. And April is going to be the return of one of our Imperial Brown Ales, which I love when we do these in barrel age. But High Class Broad is going to be an Imperial Brown Ale aged in brandy barrels. We were actually going to put that out this last summer, but we had an issue with our brandy barrels. A little delay, but we'll have that to you guys in April. So that's what you can look forward to us within the Barrel Age series, but I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you about other great brands. February, we have our chocolate oatmeal stout. This thing is rich, rich, killer, like a real dry chocolate that plays really well with these roast notes. It's not a very sweet chocolate stout, but it's awesome. That'll come out in February for you guys. And March last year, uh, we did a 24-hour fresh beer. So instead of a wet hop where it's farmed a barrel, what we did is we did a fresh keg. So we kegged it on a Monday and everybody tapped it on Tuesday. Oh boy. So we did that with a double IPA called Hot Pour this last year. We're going to bring it back in March. We're not going to be doing Hot Pour. Style TBD. It's going to be an Imperial double IPA. We're just not really sure which one of our recipes yet, but you guys can look forward to uh, the week of St. Patrick's Day, the start of March Madness. We will be having a 24-hour fresh double IPA in the Madison and Milwaukee markets for sure, and we are coordinating the Try to make it bigger to go out to more parts of the state this year so stay tuned we'll have a list of the suppliers and the retailers you'll be able to buy this at but we will have a draft beer coming out we will keg send to our distributors within five hours after it kegged and you'll tap it within 18 hours after it being kegged wow. so that's gonna be really fun super fresh hops so yeah so we're looking forward for a great year uh the barrel age program we're shooting for another barrel a month just a beer a month rather in the barrel age program as well as our annual releases we should have played the uh, the extra extra music over that. that, that <laughs> we that's, some, that's some serious breaking news. I mean, we, we got just, we got stuff going on for days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if things go according to plan, that that twenty four hour fresh should be uh, an unfiltered double dry hopped situation. Ooh, now oh, see, oh, everybody boy. on the podcast just heard that as I heard that, and at work here, so this is some definite breaking news for you guys. That's going to be some fun stuff. But yeah, the 24-hour hop is going to be really fun. The whole year is going to be kick-ass. A rumor in the mill, we might be doing a brewery party next year, not revolving around exercise uh, because we do two brewery events that are great events. And so please come out and check out the registration next year. We do our annual bike ride. We do our annual beer run. Both of those raise money for local charities. But me, myself, as I am skinny and don't work out, uh, I have asked an opportunity for everyone to come and just drink beer without having to do physical things. So there is a loose chance that we might be doing some kind of beer party next year no details other than that but i'll just get you guys you know salivating and realizing you might have to pick a weekend to come spend with us yeah i'll tell you what if you haven't been to tyranina you gotta come the the new patio is fantastic it's it's ginormous it's bigger than it ever has been it's the one addition that you guys have ever made to the brewery which is yeah which is pretty impressive <laughs> it's the um, only change we need in 17 years <laughs> man we got this shit unlocked and i'll tell you what if this new ipa that you guys have coming out is anything even close to the hop whore the uh, the double ipa brewed with a little bit of honey for a little sweetness which was a fantastic are you talking about bow and the queen so that's that's april alex so you said it's a little hazier are you guys maybe leaning into the new england style that everybody's going for or is it just going to be a, an uh, i believe i believe he said it unfiltered i don't believe All he right. used the word hazy okay. don't put words in my brewer's <laughs> mouth 
What do you think about the... Is it a fad, Ryan? What do you think? Uh, I think it's a fad. I yeah. think they're delicious. <laughs> I mean, look, I... It, it I, tastes great. I, I, I drink them at every chance I can. I love them. Yeah. But I just don't think it's going to be around forever. It's not something that you guys would uh, would, would consider doing or lean into that fad or... Or, or are no, you guys waiting to kind of see if, it, so. if, it has, no. if that fad has Even legs. as a tap I never only. say no. Yeah. But at the same time, I know it's not something we're looking at at the moment. Um, we're happy with the beers we make. We all love them. I mean, we all drink them. But it doesn't mean that we need to make one ourselves. No, I just know that, you know, the, the, the only reason that I think that we would want to try and do a, an unfiltered IPA is because I taste from the fermenter is a little different than what we get in the finished product. True. And we want to kind of get that to the masses as well. All right, well, before we uh, before we close it down, uh, Andy also wasn't able to be here tonight, but he had a question for you guys. Hi, Andy. Um, he was wondering, I think we've handled part of this, he wondered what staple beer and what Brewers Gone Wild beer are the most popular, and what percentage of your portfolio do each of those encompass? So I think we handled the uh, the regular beer. We know that that's the Rockies' Revenge, and that was a bit of a surprise that it wasn't the uh, the Bitter Woman. But as far as the, uh, the Brewers Gone Wild series, which of those is your most popular? I mean, that's really hard to say just because they're not all annual. And even the ones that may be annual for three years then go to a semi-annual basis. You know, like Carnal Knowledge is one of our most anticipated. When January this year, we're not doing it. We're doing something different. But, I mean, that in typical fashion is one of our better performing double, you know, Brewers Gone Wild. Devil made me do it. I guess maybe that point because it typically comes out every October. But with that, it's just really hard for us to say because we switch the brand around so much. And then we switch. We, we try to do four or five Brewers Gone Wild releases a year, and we already have, you know, ten in the library. So not everyone are coming out every year. So I, I really don't know what to say the percentage of, of, of the business would be off that. Well, we'll just say Coco Poco because it's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> Coco Poco Marginal because last year we had half a batch. <laughs> half a batch was... Well, now we had one barrel down. All right. <laughs> So but, uh, uh, as far as the uh, as far as the Rockies Revenge, what what would you say is the percentage of the brewing portfolio that that encompasses? Is that a is that a significant like a majority or is it because uh, you guys have a lot of beers? So it's I mean, as question. as a sale guy, who probably should know this number off the top of my head. I only do uh, two and a quarter of our states. I got a guy that does the rest. So I mean, speaking on and what I know from our sales, I mean, you could probably equate thirty percent of our business. Maybe Maybe less than 25% of our business to Rockies, and the, and the rest we make up in, in Bitter Woman and Cheap Black Hawk and our core brands and, so and our brewers think, going wild and seasonals. Do you think between Rockies and uh, Bitter Woman, would you say that's about half of your brewing? Between the two percentage? of them, I'd, I'd put it at like 40. 40, okay. Yeah, yeah. 35 to 40% of our total output is going to be those two brands. Yeah, that's a, that's a big percentage for uh, for two beers. Yeah. Now, if I can find an in here, Dale. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is he going to correct me on? No, just regarding the most popular Brewers Gone Wild. There we go. In my experience, the most popular one has been Carnal Knowledge in the Morn, which is our Imperial Stout, Imperial Oatmeal Stout brewed with coffee, cocoa nibs, and vanilla beans. That's the most popular one. We've only made it once. It's the one that we had people lining up outside the door for before we opened. That sounds good. They were just on their way to the Great Taste pre party. (laughs) Oh shit! Oh. That was the same weekend. Okay. okay. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta fight on our hands. <laughs> I mean, I love that beer, and I th- actually I think that's that should be an annual for us. I was trying to go back more 
performers. But that beer sold out the quickest. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that's the one that I that I saw the most quote unquote right? hype for. Yeah, I mean, people uh, were they they so were they were excited. That one, that one. But I, tapping the sugar bush, and we've only done that for three years now. But that has been an extremely popular beer for us as well. Yeah, and I guess I didn't even look at the barrel age stuff when I was I was just looking at our tier two more for the percentage of business because everybody knows we have a very small amount of our. Well, everybody knows business. what tier two is. Everybody knows we have a very small <laughs> amount of barrel age stuff that hits market. Um, so when you're talking about driving force a percentage of overall sales, yeah. neither one of those brands are actually going to make a, a, you know, a, a difference in the sense because there's such small output to the market. So when you're talking about driving sales factors, our regular non-barrel age Brewers Gone Wild series is, is going to be you know one of those performers. But yeah, when you're talking about hype and people searching after factor, that's definitely going to come into our barrel age series. So the moment that someone wants to give us uh, you know, a word warehouse that we can make more of we can make them easier available until then you better search and if you're searching you better search out tyranina you better get out here check out the tap room hashtag try a tyranina uh check out a porter you know get into the porters if you're into stouts you're gonna love porters thank you guys so much for having us out at the brewery thank you we've had a oh, thank you guys for coming uh thank you for sharing as many coco pocos as i've drunk tonight uh, it's 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 a treat uh it's one of my absolute favorite beers yeah, this has been a, a really fun experience and letting us into, you know, the, the Lake Mills experience and, and the characters and the, and, you know, well, so the, the whole it, culture out if here. If I could take fantastic. a stab at Lake Mills real quick here, right. we're about to have a distillery open in this town. We're about to have another brewery open in this town. And don't worry, guys, if you worry that there's not room for two breweries. These guys are rumored to be a Belgian house. Okay. So it's going to be fun. We're going to do different. totally, totally different style stuff, and we're going to be able to com- you know, collaborate together. But so we have a distillery open. We have a brewery opening soon in this area. And, I mean, it's going to be a fun time. So anyone who thinks Lake Mills is a small-ass town, just stay on the lookout for us. So, yeah, make the trip. Make the trip out to Lake Mills. And when you do, check out Tyranino. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. And uh, it, it, it looks like we are out of beer at the moment. We might have to uh, head into the tap room. We could rectify that. Yeah, we might have to head into the tap room and grab another. But uh, for now, for uh, for me, for Alex. Jesus. Dale. Ryan. Cheers. Cheers to Tyranino. No more guys. beer. And uh, this has been a solid non-fail production. Oh.